Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America Podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody Award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody. Glad you could join us on this edition of The Great America Show. And I want to thank everyone for making this podcast such a great success. I have to believe most of us, though, these days find ourselves in wonderment and disbelief as we watch the Biden administration, the radical Dems, the Marxist left, all carry out a full-scale and frontal assault on our American way of life. But some changes that are taking place should give us some hope for our country's future. Now, I think most of us are more than a little frustrated with the FBI and the Department of Justice for their role in the greatest political scandal in our country's history, that is the Democrat-financed and DOJ-enabled effort to try to overthrow the presidency of Donald J. Trump. We're learning more, albeit too slowly, from the investigation by Special Counsel John Durham. And most of us, again, I believe, are just shaking our heads at some of the acts committed by the FBI, its top officials, none of whom have been held to account for their transgressions. So I think you'll be as excited as I am to learn that the FBI and Department of Justice have recently acknowledged their failure to act three years ago to stop a school shooting. And that has resulted in a settlement of more than $100 million. The federal government calls it a tentative settlement with the families of the young victims killed and wounded in the 2018 mass shooting at a high school in Parkland, Florida. The family sued over the FBI's failure to act on warnings that the gunman was planning an attack. But what those families won was what will be hopefully a precedent that will allow citizens to sue the FBI and the Justice Department when it fails to act or acts illegally. Of course, when it comes to the election of 2020, most citizens will think of the FBI's and Department of Justice's failure to investigate incidents of fraud that have led millions to question the outcome of the presidential election. As things stand now, there's no way to compel our government to do the right thing or to respond to citizen concerns about the fundamental integrity of our electoral system. But hopefully, that's beginning to change. Well, Vernon Jones is one of the people trying to create change in a state that had more than its share of accusations of fraud and appearances of considerable irregularities in the 2020 election. Vernon Jones puts the blame for all of that on the state's current governor, Brian Kemp, and his secretary of state, Brad Raffensperger. Jones is a great American, a Trump populist, a Trump conservative candidate running for governor of Georgia. So, Vernon, welcome to the Great America Show. You're up against, as you well know, the Republican establishment and some big money is behind your likely Democrat opponent. How do you feel about how the race is going to this point, your campaign? Lou, first of all, uh, it's an honor to be with a great American on the Great American Show. Um, I'm so glad you're back. I'm so glad you're communicating with your supporters and followers again and setting the record straight. Um, well, thank our you. race is going great. Um, let me tell you, we are building such a huge grassroots team. Our campaign is coming from the bottom going up, not from the up coming down, or I should say from the top coming down. And I have been able to connect with people, the base of the Republican Party. And I can tell you right now, uh, Lou, they do not and have not forgotten what happened in 2020. They do not have a lot of confidence in our, our elections system. Election integrity is the top thing that's on their mind. And more than anything else, Lou, 
the audit. They have been screaming for an audit. And it's not so much that they're trying to overturn an election, Lou. They just want the truth. And the governor, Governor Kemp, uh, and really the majority of the Republicans, which control both houses, have not been forthcoming with a, an audit so people can get their questions answers, answered. Yeah. They just want the truth. That's it. Well, and they're being denied the truth. You know, see, I'd like to get your your direct thoughts on why we're seeing in so many states uh, this question, whether it's Arizona, whether it's Pennsylvania, uh, whether it's Georgia. Why in the world does the Republican Party not want to have those answers? You know, it doesn't. Frankly, at this point, it's 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 not going to change a lot to find out that there was a lot of fraud that did change the outcome. There's nothing anybody can really do about it. But what would be nice is to know what happened and uh, what were the irregularities and what were the motivations for some of the things that happened, whether it be uh, executive branches of state government taking over for the legislature where the power to set elections and uh, election regulations resides. Uh, and that doesn't matter which state. That's true across the entire country. But we're, we all have, most of us, I would say, have questions. And all we're asking for is an honest investigation. And that seems to be the last thing, the last thing uh, that uh, the Republican Party is interested in delivering. And I'm talking about the state Republican Party. Sure. Well, if you look at the leadership of the Georgia uh, Republican Party, the governor, Governor Kemp is at odds with President Trump and Governor Kemp, the secretary of state and the attorney general. They all want to see President Trump go away. And they know that President Trump uh, is so popular in Georgia. But again, um, President Trump was saying well in advance when you look at drop off boxes and that type of election uh, apparatus that it would create an environment for election fraud. If you remember in Georgia, uh, the election drop-off boxes were not written into our state statute prior to 2020. Right. And what you saw happen uh, is that people felt as though that those drop-off boxes uh, were open for a a voting irregularities. They saw what happened on the video with the voting counting, if you will, for the largest precinct in the state of Georgia, that video State Farm Arena. You saw a lot of things that people felt uncomfortable with, and they just wanted to get some questions answered. And the governor, uh, by wanting to move past 2020, he refused to call a special session for an investigation of what happened. And then he refused to call for an audit, a forensic audit, so people can get to the bottom line and get their questions answered. And so the legislature has been under the thumb of the governor. And the governor's holding them hostage. So those within the Republican Party who controlled both houses and the governor's office, they're all following the lead of the governor, including the, the attorney general who just came out recently. He has his own race. But isn't it interesting how he came <laughs> out and endorsed the governor? Oh, it's, it's the uh, darnest thing. Um, you, know, you know, George is getting, uh, as they say, right uptown. Uh, they got some, <laughs> they got some fancy maneuvers going on. Uh, let me ask you one about one of the other maneuvers, which I think is funny. Uh, and that's George's uh, Raffensperger calling for bipartisan election reform. And he was the fellow in charge of the election. So what what's that all about? Well, it's ironic that he's calling for a bipartisan election reform when he was the one that said that we had a perfect election. <laughs> he, he was the one who, who said it on 60 Minutes. He sent a letter to Congress, including the governor said everything was fine. So my point then, if everything is fine, what is wrong with an audit? Now, Lou, not a recount, because a recount is if you have 50 ballots, you count 50 ballots, you're going to end up with 50 ballots. But an right. audit you examine the paper, you examine the creases from an absentee ballot that was folded. You look at the markings. Is it an yeah. ink mark or is it a check mark? You look at the chain of custody was the proper signatures and the date and time stamps on those ballots. And then, you know, again, the Raffensburg and others came up with this drop off box uh, idea that they took from Stacey Abrams and they set their own rules. But one of the things in there that they required was a video camera. Now, isn't it interesting that not a single time has this secretary of state or governor and any others call for a review 
of those video cameras because those video cameras will show you instantly if there have been individuals coming there with multiple ballots because by their own rules, you can only bring your own ballot unless you're a family member and live in the household and you can not be going to multiple drop off boxes and dropping ballots off. Not if you just dropping off one ballot. So he has not even examined the videos and Lou, I can tell you there's a dead cat on the end of that line. And real soon you're going to see something. Well, I, I, I hope soon. Are you talking about soon? Real soon. And it's going to all go back to the drop off boxes by interestingly enough, it was president Trump that talked about the harvesting of ballots Right. You're going to see um, uh, where multiple ballots were harvested and taken to drop-off boxes. And you're going to see and hear where it goes back to who was in charge yeah. or who was responsible for that type of activity. And you're going to be surprised. Well, uh, we're looking for, forward to learning more about the elections, whether they be in the state of Georgia or whatever state where there's still you know some questions. You know, I, I, I want to get your sense of this. I, I don't know whether or not the, the outcome of the election would be changed if anything had been different. Uh, but I do know there are instances of fraud. There were uh, absolutely uh, uh, illegal changes in state election uh, regulations uh, and the way in which those elections were handled uh, in a half, at least a half dozen states. Uh, what I don't know is if, you know, it, it would change the outcome. What is your sense of whether there were enough irregularities, anomalies, if you will, or outright fraud of various kinds? Uh, would, do you think that the election outcome would have been changed? Well, let me say this, Lou. Uh, the United States Constitution provides for the legislature and the legislature only mm -hmm. to make and change and adopt, adopt election laws. When drop-off boxes were used in 2020, they were never uh, written into law by the legislature and even designated as a precinct. Now, if you saw all those uh, coverage, all the coverage, they were all saying from the media, liberal, liberal media, that drop-off boxes favor the Democrats, drop-off boxes favor Joe Biden here in Georgia. If that's the case, then, if someone had litigated and asked the judge at the time, uh, right after the 2020 election, before the 2021 election, ask the judge for declaratory judgment on whether or not the executive branch had the authority to take to do what the legislature has to do and must do, and that is make election laws. If they were to do a declaratory judgment, ask for a declaratory judgment, judge, are these drop-off boxes legal? If he had ruled, which many of us would have said, would clearly thought, if he had ruled that they were illegal, then all of those ballots would be taken out, considered invalid. And if that's how many, the case, how many were there? Well, there were thousands and thousands of 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 uh, ballots at uh, drop-off box ballots. And matter of fact, in Fulton and DeKalb County, the Democratic counties, the heavily populated counties, they had the most of them out there. They had them all over. So if you had to validate those drop-off boxes where the ballots were, clearly there would be a big shift. Now, yeah. here's what's interesting. After the 2020 election, if they had done that and they would discover that those ballots were invalid because of the drop-off boxes, it could have had an effect on the 2021 election and we wouldn't have been using drop-off boxes at all. Yeah. But the legislature did something that was interesting. They came back in 2021 after the 2021 election, wrote into the law the drop-off boxes. Stacey Abrams come forward with another lawsuit saying that they didn't put enough drop-off boxes there. And ironically, the defense for the attorney general was, wait a minute, only the legislature determined drop-off boxes, whether it was one drop-off box or 21 drop-off boxes. They're the only ones that could determine the election laws. And it was right. And it stood. So wait a minute, where were you, Mr. Attorney General, when they started with drop-off boxes in 2020? <laughs> uh, you know, I laugh because once you cross the, you know, the boundaries of the absurd, there's no choice but to laugh. Uh, it, it's it's a historical uh, election, a historic election, and it is one that we're going to be talking about, I'm sure, for for years and years. Uh, by by the way, the the left in this country doesn't want us talking about it they don't want any questions about it 
they don't want to, they would just assume that everybody forget it ever happened. Uh, but that won't be happening uh, because the Republican Party uh, has got a commitment uh, to making certain that uh, it that it won't be repeated. Let me ask you that, Vernon. Are, will there be a repeat of 2020 in uh, 2022? Well, I can tell you this. The flashlight has, has been shone on those cockroaches and they're running towards the cracks, meaning there's a lot more eyes on the 2022 election. I will say this, though. In the Republican Party, and certainly in the in the base, there is a significant amount of distrust in Dominion. And many of them are feeling, are we going to have a repeat, a repeat of 2020? Uh, we still have Dominion. They don't trust Dominion. And I can understand why. Here's a company that came in, $120 million uh, um, uh, contract for 10 years. First time we've had them to use, to, to use for our statewide elections. And you would think just in business period, when you put in a new system, don't you want to do an audit to see if it's working properly? And yeah. so, again, it goes back to what I was saying. People have so many questions and don't feel like it's being addressed or their questions not getting answered. It's not, it's not again, it's like Reagan. It's not that they, they don't trust on one hand, but they just want to verify. But if you don't want to verify, that increases the distrust. So yep. yeah, there's concern in 2022. But I think people believe, including the base, uh, it's like medicine going down, taste bad going down, but it'll make you feel better later. Later, They're going to have to come out and vote in numbers and they want to repeat what happened in Virginia. They want to take their state back. Yeah. And what happened in Virginia is uh, certainly a, a boon to voter confidence in elections and the integrity of the election. Uh, but I'm still very disturbed by uh, Ronna McDaniel, the chair of the RNC, personally told me that she had plenty of uh, ground troops uh, for the election of 2020, that it was under control. And then the next thing I know is I'm <laughs> getting reports from uh, whether it's Philadelphia or Nevada or uh, Michigan uh, Republican uh, election watchers weren't even being allowed into the room, let alone, uh, you know, providing uh, uh, counsel and guidance uh, and watching over the election. Uh, it, it's outrageous. And so when I hear, you know, I hear that they've got it under control, it's the same thing I heard in 2012, too, uh, from Reince Priebus. Uh, the establishment of the Republican Party is right now, in my judgment, uh, not particularly uh, particularly deserving of great uh, confidence. Well, you know, Lou, I think what you see happen is the ripple effect because Donald Trump was an outsider. Donald Trump beat governors and senators, those who had experience when he ran. He didn't have to kiss anyone's ring to one. But what they failed to see is that Donald Trump was able to connect with voters. So as opposed to um, understanding Donald Trump's method and trying to duplicate that, they actually went after who? Donald Trump. They, they created this divide, the never Trumpers. Uh, you, you had the, a lot of senior Republicans yep. from Mitt Romney on down. And so that wave went across the state. So what do you see is the aftermath of those who feel like Donald Trump hijacked their party. But Donald Trump, whether he hijacked the party or not, he did hijack this country in terms of connecting with voters and getting something done. People look Donald Trump in four years. He, he, he literally shut down the borders. He went to world leaders and said, you yeah. know what? You're not going to take advantage of us anymore. You're going to pay your fair share and, and there's going to be free trade. So I got to, I got to, I got to ask you, you know, uh, that's history. Uh, we know he's a great president. Uh, we know he'd be a great president. Now the question becomes, will he run for uh, election in 2024? And I think that's an open question. I don't think he's decided. But that's just my opinion. I don't know. I have no inside information at all. But what I do know is that you 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 left the Democratic Party and you moved to the Trump Republican Party. I want to ask you before I talk to you about the Republican Party. Uh, 
I want to ask, what do you think of that Democratic Party you left and Joe Biden? And how much easier is he making your job to get elected governor of the great state of Georgia? <laughs> well, uh, you know, first of all, Lou, honestly, I was reared conservative and been conservative all my life, always uh, had bipartisan support, um, always leaned to the right based on my upbringings. However, I'll tell you this, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me. Yep. They left me when they started supporting uh, social issues like children having transgender operation changes and sex, ch sex changes and hormone injections and defunding the police. Um, feeling that how about critical race theory, critical oh. race theory, where they're teaching racism is literally teaching racism and is blaming a is telling a little white boy, you're superior, a little black boy, you're inferior. And by the way, to little black boy, it says little white boy is responsible for what happened for 400 years ago. And, and I understand teaching history and we can teach history, but teaching theories and creating this division among children basically is just not right. Now, the Democratic Party, uh, Joe Biden, oh man, he is making it easy for everybody. Everything he's <laughs> touched, he has, it has gone to, it has gone down. He is an ineffective leader. And you and I, and I you and I both know um, that he, it was a no brainer that he should not have been president, no pun intended to him. And what you're seeing now, the same kind of campaign he ran from the basement, he's running the same kind of campaign now as president, and he's not in charge, and he's not in fact, he's out to lunch. And as a result, the borders are being overrun. What happened in Afghanistan, that debacle? Uh, what is going on with our economy? Inflation highs in 30 years. So yes, it's making it easy for us. And by the way, those who said, including his own economic advisors, that we're not going to have an inflation and we can go in and spend, spend, spend more money. Well, even Larry Summers was coming back as a Democrat economist, if you will, and saying that you all messed up. So that's there. Now, how do we get here? Is is at the tip of the spear is Brian Kemp, because our governor in Georgia, I said before, so goes Georgia, so goes this country. When our governor failed to campaign and push in Georgia to elect President Trump and to elect those two U.S. senators, he caved into Stacey Abrams. He allowed our election laws to be manipulated with Stacey Abrams. He went further than that and sat on the sideline when it came to investigating our elections. Um, he did not want to call for an audit. He did not want to get people's questions answered. People were just discouraged. They didn't come back in the runoff and we lost Georgia. As a matter of fact, um, when we lost Georgia, Luke, we lost this country. When we lost those two U.S. Senate seats, did we not lose this country? Is He's an enabler of, of Joe Biden. That's why um, this governor, Governor Kemp, is in trouble. Uh, he is not going to be reelected. And the other thing he know and I know and Stacey Abrams and the Democratic Party know the thing that fears the Democrats more than anything else is a Vernon Jones because I'm the only one that can be Stacey Abrams or any Democrat that they put in or put up or support. Why? Because I can hold the line on the Republicans, unlike Governor Kemp, because a lot of Republicans still not going to vote for him, even if you were to go to the general election. Not only can I hold the line on the Republicans, but I can eat into and I'm already eating into the Democratic base getting those minority conservatives who knew and who know that the Democrat Democratic Party has been taking advantage of them. Um, but at the same time, they didn't trust Republicans. And I know why they didn't trust Republicans, because Republicans didn't engage them, Lou. They've been able to win without them. But as I say all the time, Republicans can't just win like that now. They are fresh out of white conservatives. They're just fresh out. They got to grow and build a party. And that's what President Trump did when, when he uh, his past election, he grew the party with minority votes. And that's one of my key strengths that I'm the only one that can win in November. You know, you may be right about their fresh out of, uh, of uh, white conservatives, but what I, I, what I hope they, they drain are all those, uh, <laughs> all of those rhinos because the Republican party can't stand much more of that. Uh, what the Republican party needs though is, Vernon Jones, and uh, I, I want to give you an opportunity. Uh, you've got a big organization there. Uh, where do people who want to support you uh, send a little help? 
They can go to jonesforgeorgia.com. That's jonesforgeorgia.com. We appreciate them. You know, uh, Georgia had Georgia's on everybody's mind. And those donors from out of state, let me tell you again, so goes Georgia, so goes this country. You know, governors are very powerful. Governors are the last line of defense, if you will. And you know this, Lou. You know, you have a lot of Republican governors. They want to talk like uh, Ron DeSantis, but they walk like Mitt Romney. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Governor DeSantis has shown you how you can fight back against the federal government. When he came and like on his special session now, what is he doing? He's banning CRT. He's making sure those con- companies out there do not what? Fire people because they don't want to take the vaccination. This is what the governor's doing. As a matter of fact, the quality of life of those who live in in Florida uh, hasn't changed as much as it had in some of these other states where they caved into Biden and his plan. And, you know, Cuomo in New York, uh, they laugh at him in Florida because they call him the best real estate agent that Florida has ever had because (laughs) the way he ran New York, you know, people moved to Florida. So we want to hold a line in Georgia. Um, and, and yes, um, so goes Georgia, so that goes this country. So people out there, you have a vested interest. And so please, yes, contribute, come to my website, jonesforgeorgia.com. Vernon Jones, thanks for being with us today on the Great America Show. It was great to talk with you again. And as I think you know, I believe you're the right man to be the next governor of Georgia. And you have some mighty powerful opposition where they come from Kemp's political organization and donors, or Stacey Abrams and her big old political machine. The folks of Georgia, though, I have confidence in, and they all get this election right. Good to have you with us. Wish you the best of luck, and God bless. Thank you so much. Is it over yet, Lou? I can't believe 30 minutes go fast, but thank you so much, my friend. (laughs) You got it. Thanks so much, Vernon. All right, all the best. We'll continue with The Great America Show in just a moment. Radical Dems and Marxist leftists are fond of declaring that elections, no matter how tainted, no matter how suspect, have consequences, and elections certainly do have consequences. But do you ever wonder why it's always the left reminding us of the fact? It's how former President Obama explained away the madness of Obamacare. It's how the Biden White House, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer explained their massive economic stimulus spending that adds trillions of dollars to the national debt. And President Xi's head must be spinning still after his virtual summit with President Biden. Biden assured Xi in their phone call that the United States doesn't take a position on Taiwan's sovereignty, but then Biden announced to the press corps that Taiwan is independent. And then he quickly tried to mitigate the damage he inflicted through his usual tortured reasoning and conflicted language. This same president, not yet in office a year, will soon have brought two million illegal immigrants across our southern border with Mexico. And in the past month, the Border Patrol set a new all-time record high for illegal immigrant apprehensions in October, almost 140,000. Consequences. This is the same president who can't get Vice President Harris to go to the border after he put her in charge of immigration and border security. President Biden obviously hasn't tried one of his notorious mandates with the vice president, but it isn't clear by any means that it would work with the reclusive Harris. And on the issue of mandates, President Biden told business to ignore a federal court order that would stop his vaccine mandates. Ah, but now a federal appellate court has sided with that lower court citing grave constitutional issues with the very idea of a mandate. Biden's White House is mum on the matter and glum. And the consequences of the Biden election are beginning to pile up. His open border policies coincide with a record number of overdose deaths, and the overdose epidemic in America is raging. Overdose deaths up 28% from the previous year. Opiates surpassed by the synthetic fentanyl that accounts for two-thirds of those opiate deaths in this country. The Marxist left not hesitating to threaten parents in school board meetings. And I want to give a shout out to Congressman Jim Jordan, who is demanding an accounting from the Attorney General Merrick Garland for lying to Congress when he denied the FBI was indeed tagging parents who complained in school board meetings. 
tagging them as domestic threats. Congressman Jordan demanded the Department of Justice explain those policies. Is that any way to treat American citizens? Well, absolutely not. But it's just one more example of the Marxist left trying to rule through intimidation and violence, a crime that no American president would have ever permitted in previous administrations against any citizen. But it's unclear that Biden considers us citizens at all. He and his regime look upon us, obviously, as subjects, not citizens. Speaking of citizenship, Victor Davis Hanson joins us today. He has a new book out. Now watch this clever segue. His new book is entitled The Dying Citizen. The subtitle is How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America. Victor Davis Hanson, brilliant conservative scholar and great American. And it's great to have you with us, Victor, here on The Great America Show. Thank you for having me, Lou. Uh, congratulations uh, on the book, which we recommend to our audience highly, of course. When the FBI, and this is where I'd, I'd like to start on this issue of citizenship, when the FBI is ordered to identify parents as domestic terrorist threats for complaining at school board meetings, isn't the American citizen concept all but dead in the eyes, at least, of the Biden administration? I think it is. I mean, one of the things I talked about in the book were these unelected, we call them deep state, permanent state, administrative state. But these are people who combine judiciary, executive, and legislative powers in one, into one person. And we know them as Anthony Fauci or Mark Milley, James Clapper, John Brilliant. They're head of very powerful agencies, and they routinely ignore the law. And there's no repercussions, whether that's John Brennan and Clapper lying under oath or Andrew McCabe denying uh, that he lied to a federal investigator or Anthony Fauci being very deceptive about the ties of the U.S. government medical establishment with the Wuhan laboratory. But when the case of the FBI, I don't know what's happened. Though. That's a very good point because they're doing things that we are just, uh, I don't know what we would call them. I mean, they're into this performance art SWAT team, show up at the Roger Stone's house, tip off CNN, go up to James O'Keefe's house, uh, make him come out in his underwear, humiliate him, tip off the New York Times, all with a political theme to it. And then we have, they're almost a retrieval or receptacle organization for the Biden uh, embarrassments of the laptop or the diary. I mean, Biden's daughter has a diary. It's missing. Go after James O'Keefe. I don't know the FBI was ever charged with finding any citizen's missing diary. And the same thing with, as we saw with the laptop, they had it under their possession. They wouldn't really release any information until after the election. And then you get into this idea that they'd lie. I mean, and they've altered documents, whether it's Kevin Kleinsmith that forged that FISA application or McCabe and Comey that, that applied four times with information, the dossier that they probably knew was false. Mm -hmm. Or we had, remember Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, and they were using FBI devices to talk about all of their biases and in their investigation. We had the FBI saying, you know, we don't know where these phone records are of our FBI employees that were probably embarrassing. And we had James Comey, who 245 times said he couldn't remember uh, under oath. And then we had Robert Mueller, the ex-FBI director, who it was just surreal. He went before the House Intelligence Committee and said he had no idea what the Fusion GPS uh, organization or the dossier were. And those were sort of the pillars of his own investigation. So I don't know what we're going to have to do with it, maybe move it to Kansas. But it's been politically weaponized at all levels of its Washington hierarchy. The FBI in particular, this is still the same organization that did not want to investigate uh, the Clinton Foundation, uh, despite its role in providing uh, opportunities and facilitating the uh, acquisition of 20% of U.S. uranium assets. Uh, and uh, suddenly they found themselves the beneficiaries, the, the Clinton Foundation, of the uh, largesse of oligarchs and all sorts of people uh, interested in the national security of Russia rather than the United States. Uh, a, a woman who would not be prosecuted nor any of her staff for destroying uh, computers, destroying handheld uh, uh, devices of all sorts, including 
cell smartphones. Uh, and we know very well that all of that material that was quote unquote destroyed, those 33,000 emails that no one can find are sitting on the cloud. And it wouldn't take the most advanced mind and technology to, to secure those. Uh, we are being lied to by our government, by investigative agencies, particularly the FBI, the Department of Justice, almost daily, it seems, Victor, and without, it, without recourse. It's very ironic because one of the left's talking points is that Donald Trump and his you know, boisterous anger somehow curtailed civil liberties. But that's never been the danger to this country. It's always been from the soft-spoken person on the left who feels that the noble ends will justify any means necessary. So remember, Barack Obama was the one that sicked the DOJ on the Associated Press reporters. They went after James Rosen of Fox. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Lois Lerner thing was interesting because denying these nonprofits tax-exempt status was aimed at sort of taking the fuel out of the Tea Party movements right before the 2012 re-election uh, effort on the part of, of Barack Obama. And then we got an Eric Holder. He just told on the Fast and Furious, he just told Congress, I am not giving you any information. And yet that was one of the souped up uh, complaints and impeachment of Donald Trump that he had obstructed the Congress. So I think these people are completely unaccountable and they have such power now. Their agencies are so huge. Their budgets are so enormous. I don't think anybody in their right mind would ever have believed that the head of the National Institute of Allergy and infectious diseases would have some say in whether a renter has to pay rent. And yet Fauci's edict would determine whether uh, there would be a stay of rental uh, payments to their landlords nationwide. Or we never in our right mind believe that the United States government would transfer money through a third party to enhance gain of function research at the Wuhan lab, which was obviously ground zero of the infection, which we did our medical establishment not only denied, but really demonized anybody who suggested it. I remember when Tom Cotton said, it looks to me like it came out of this lab. The New York, they almost thought he was a conspiracy freak. Well, I said point blank uh, on yeah. the air uh, that, in my opinion, it was engineered precisely because we had never seen uh, with the immunologist and virologist that I had spoken to. They said they had never seen a construction uh, genetically of a virus uh, of this sort. They've never uh, found it yet in an animal. They've never found yep. an animal prior to a human infection that had it. I'm far from a virologist, but I am something of a logician. Uh, I I can't. I think that the inference has to be at least uh, a priori that it's then uh, man-made if it is not made uh, in uh, created by nature. Uh, but the idea that we would even investigate it. it there, there's a common theme that is developing, Victor. That I I think. It goes to the issue of the dying citizen. Uh, and, and that is this. We hear every agency lie, uh, whether it be the NIH, whether it be the CDC, whether it be the World Health Organization, uh, whether it be the Chinese government, uh, whether it be the White House uh, under this president, uh, and I'm sure others. But the reality is the American citizen is being lied to. Uh, it's a steady diet of lies, falsehoods, misrepresentations, or uh, someone somewhere in that massive government that you spoke of burying the truth. Uh, the truth will not, you know, will still set us free. But first, we have to set free the truth. And right now, uh, the, the truth is in bondage uh, and, and secured in hiding somewhere. Yeah, I think what's dangerous, I mean, we, we have a low opinion of politicians and we understand they lie. But what's very scary is when these permanent bureaucrats and functionaries not only lie, but admit they lie. And I'm talking about James Clapper, who, when he was directly asked, is the National Security Agency spying on Americans? He said, no, under oath. And then when caught, he said, well, I gave the, quote, least, least untruthful answer. And then John Brennan lied on two occasions. He was asked, are you spying on Senate staff or computers? And was there any collateral deaths on our assassination drone program in Afghanistan? He said, nope, to both of them. Then he came back and said, well, I was mistaken. The same way Andrew McKay lied. He was asked about, were you the one leaking 
uh, information about your investigation to, of the Clinton Foundation to the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. And he said, no. And he said, no. And he said, no. And, and meanwhile, he was ordering his own FBI agents to find non-existent leakers what, to protect himself. And they admit it. And to this day, neither he nor Clapper nor Brennan has ever been brought up on any uh, perjury charges. So they're completely exempt. Lou, if you and I said that to an IRS agent, we'd be in jail. Yeah. It's the idea that citizens, there was a time that being an American citizen meant that you could rely on your government, at least in idealized America. You could rely on your government to protect you. Uh, if you were in trouble in a foreign country, uh, in a remote uh, you know, village somewhere, you could, you would expect the government to help you in one form or the other. We now are watching our, our citizens be left uh, and our allies be left in Kabul at the hands of, the, at the mercy uh, of the Taliban even as we have a president who lied to us and told us he was getting all of them out and that no one would be left behind. And the national media doesn't reference the lie, doesn't reference even that incident. It has faded into a distant historical event rather than current events under this president. Yeah, I was really worried very early in the Trump administration, the Shorenstein Center, a very liberal group of media supposed watchdogs, you know them better than I do, Lou, and they came out with a stunning report that the major networks were reporting 93% in a negative fashion of Trump news. And I thought, this is not going to end well when we don't have a media uh, anymore. It doesn't exist because it's going to give license to all these left-wing people to say and do anything they want with no repercussions. And it's it's not just when they're in power, but as well as when they're out of power. And there's been no apologies about the entire Russian hoax, none at all. There's been no apologies about the Ukrainian uh, hoax, none at all. There's, and I think John Durham's gonna show there's gonna be no uh, apologies about from the Clinton campaign, which increasingly seems if you go, if we're gonna follow the money trail back through all of these Russian sources to, people who work for Fusion G- GPS, who then in turn work for Perkins Coe or associated with who in turn work for the DNC. We're going to end up with a close circle around Hillary Clinton, including maybe the national security advisor, Jake Sullivan. And yet we, we've known that for a long time, but no yes. apologies. So right. it's, uh, as I talk in the book, it's it's very dangerous. And I, I list all the things the citizen citizenship in answer to your query, it used to mean it used to mean that you had exclusive service in the U.S. military. You alone could vote. You alone could hold office. You alone could receive federal entitlements, and you uh, and load alone could go back and forth across your border at your pleasure. But I can't think of any of those that exist anymore to distinguish a citizen from a resident with a minor exception, maybe, that only citizens can hold office because they're voting in local school board elections in a number of states, that is, illegal aliens are. And so I think and there's a move now that have people who are not citizens run for office. The old taboo that if you were not a U.S. citizen, you could not be engaged in a campaign has been dropped. And people can come across the border without a passport at will. If you, and if I tried to go into Mexico and I was stopped either way, coming back or going in without a passport, I would be in big trouble. I've seen people at SFO and LAX airports who came in and they lost their passport on the plane or they didn't have it or something happened. And they were taken into a room immediately and not admitted entry until they could prove their identification. That That's not true for residents. So. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's it's tough times uh, to say the very least, and the left is is, is ruling by intimidation and violence, threatening you know as they will uh, to burn down cities, whether it's Portland, Oregon, and Antifa and Black Lives Matter attacking federal courthouses without consequence, without prosecution. A handful will be arrested, but uh, that's more show uh, than uh, actual law enforcement. And then there is no prosecution whatsoever, whether it is there, whether it's in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, or Minneapolis. Uh, we have seen cities aflame and and no idea whatsoever that there would be justice and people 
uh, held accountable for their crimes and obvious crimes with video evidence of those crimes. Instead, there is a rationalization uh, for what is, to me at least, the dissolution of law and order in this country to an extent that is now, I really think, perilous and an existential threat, certainly to the America that is our, our ideal and conforms to our heritage. Yeah, I would agree. I think they've been very effective in creating deterrence. By that, I mean, once we saw 120 days of arson, looting, uh, violence in the streets, and there were 14,000 arrested by police, but the vast majority were turned loose by DO, uh, district attorneys. Right. And after we had 28 people killed and 1,000 police officers injured, and there were no consequences. They understood that that threat of violence would could be used almost at every crisis. And so they scan the horizon and they look for things like uh, earlier, the Covington kids or the Michael Brown Ferguson. And now they've fixated on Kyle Rittenhouse and uh, trial, which he should never have gone to trial. Anybody who looks at the tapes or reads the transcripts can see right. that he was being chased by a mob, two of whom were convicted felons. Another person had an arrest record. But... The subtext of this whole trial was we're going to try people that we feel resist us and we are going to convict them. And if we don't convict them, we're going to cause so much mayhem uh, that you'll never, ever be on a jury or you'll never, ever take a case or you'll never, ever write a column in support of anything that we're against. And I think they've been very effective. They're outside the courthouse as we speak, and they're trying to gin up this uh, deterrence idea that, hey, you people inside, if you were to acquit him, we know where you live. And they've said that. Absolutely. And, and they, and threatened, we, they threatened the judge in the case. And they, they mean, and they mean to intimidate the Supreme Court for crying out loud. It isn't just a you know, a state court uh, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, no, they did. They did. You're absolutely right. Chuck Schumer went outside the doors of the Supreme Court and said, "Are you listening, Kavanaugh? Are you listening, Gorsuch? We're going to come after you if you you know turn overturn Roe v. Wade." He said that, and there was a huge group outside. Nobody said a word, and uh, we saw what they did to Arizona Senator Cinema. They followed her into a restroom. They followed right. her on a, a flight. No, there were no, there was nothing wrong with that. And according to the law, no one was arrested for disrupting a federal flight. If I went over to a passenger, walked down the aisle, and I started yelling at a passenger, I would be in big trouble. If I followed a U.S. senator in the men's room and got right next to them, I would be in big trouble. And so the citizen knows that that the laws are not equally applied anymore, and they're not equally applied in a predictable, political, biased, partisan fashion. And what's scary about it is it's justified by we are your moral superiors. You guys are deplorables, irredeemables, dregs, chumps, clingers, racist, homophobes. And so we should get some laxity and, and, and leeway in a way that you won't. And I think everybody's getting very angry about that. And I, I don't want to be too pessimistic because I think we're on the the cusp of one of the biggest political corrections in history in the 2022 midterms. If you look at the polls, yeah. I've never seen dismal numbers. Joe Biden is wrecking a generation of Democratic candidates and this agenda. Yeah, yeah and unfortunately, he's, he is, in my judgment, wrecking America at the same time. No, he I, is. I, I don't know what it's going to take, Victor, to recover from uh, bringing in these millions of illegal immigrants uh, what will it take to recover from a, a government that does not hold accountable uh, China and the Communist uh, Chinese Party uh, for releasing a deadly virus on the world with and knowing full well what they were doing? Uh, they were morally uh, carrying out an act of murder uh, against hundreds of thousands of people uh, across the world, indeed millions. Uh, it, we are a, a nation that has, we hide from truth, even when we're not being lied to. Uh, it, it is a frightening moment in history when we cannot discern truth uh, because corporate America, think about this, AT&T owns CNN. CNN continues to misrepresent what is happening in the trial of uh, Kyle Rittenhouse almost daily uh, with impunity. Uh, they lied along with MSNBC, which, uh, whose owner is uh, Comcast, one of the biggest companies in the country. 
uh, telecommunications companies. And, and corporate America is participating in this model of deceit and lies and misrepresentation and hope that the, the public will, uh, the public's short attention span will expire uh, before the next news cycle. It's truly deeply troubling, and I don't see effective answers anytime soon. I, I, I'm worried about it for two reasons. One, they've made a business decision that conservatives don't boycott, they don't cancel, mm -hmm. they don't uh, uh, organize to not buy particular products in the way the left does. So there's no punitive worry at all when they do when they become so partisan. They're very afraid of the trans community, uh, community, the gay community, the black community, the Latino community. They make the necessary adjustment. And the other thing is, especially in the in terms of Hollywood and professional sports, it's such a large percentage of their income now comes from China and China affiliated companies that they've made a business decision that they can be very critical of the United States. There will be no downside from the United States, but it will enhance their stature with the Chinese. I'm thinking of people like LeBron James with multi, multi million dollar contracts, sure. Steve Kerr, people like that that won't say a word about the Chinese or Hollywood will obey uh, Chinese preferences, even to the degree of putting darker actor, uh, eliminating darker actors and putting lighter skin actors to satisfy the Chinese market. So it's it's really scary how insidious these corporate right. entities are in, in respecting the bottom line. And the bottom line right now is they have little to fear from conservatives, and they've got a lot to fear from the American left and the Chinese. So they, I think that explains a lot of their bizarre behavior. Yeah, I you know I don't think that most Americans know that uh, the the Boston Celtics aren't even permitted in China because of the uh, outspokenness of one of their players, the Houston Rockets, and it's a uh, long ago general manager who dared speak up against the human rights atrocities in China. Uh, there's a price being paid even now for the NBA, which will you know, will have all sorts of, let's end racism uh, uh, mottos uh, put forward by their athletes, but those athletes will not say a word with a few exceptions, a handful of exceptions will not say a word about what is happening in China. We're in a we're in a fearsome place in our history and corporate America bears great responsibility for for where uh, we uh, are at this particular point and they will have some considerable influence over whether or not we emerge from this and survive at all. Victor Davis Hansen, it is always instructive and uh, absolutely delightful to talk with you. Uh, I hope you'll come back soon. Thanks for being with us on this edition of The Great America Show. Thank you, Lou, for having me. Join us again tomorrow for The Great America Podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.